I'm Diana. And I'm Ben. Welcome to Filmscape, a movie reviewing podcast. We're reviewing The Last Duel, a medieval epic drama about the last legal duel to the death in France. Much of the film is spent showing the same sequence of events three different times in a row from three perspectives and historical accounts. There is only one question that matters. Do you swear on your life that what you say is true? My father told me my life would be blessed with good fortune. I'm married. I was a good wife. And then was judged and shamed by my country. the truth Ben what did you think of the last duel well Diana this is my favorite unofficial remake of run Lola run that I've seen in a long time <laughs> probably my favorite Ridley Scott movie in the world. <laughs> sorry that's a silly joke run Lola run is a cult classic from the late 90s it's a German film and I just made that joke because if you've seen the movie the whole movie is the same sequence of events shown three times in a row with slight differences. And that movie is a little more like stylized and it's kind of philosophical and there's animation sequences. And I guess that it's an interesting intro to the structure of this movie, which I didn't quite know was going to be the case. Like we said in the intro, it's this sequence of events from historical sources, but three different people in these sources who were that these events affected all have different versions of what really happened. So it's kind of like the I, Tanya biopic uh. that also, that movie was also a little more like it was all together where it would just go on and on and it would just show different things that happen from different opinions. It was kind of like it didn't quite flow together because different people they interviewed for that movie had different accounts of it. Like her ex-husband had a very different idea of what happened in I, Tanya. So anyway, this movie... It's a very long movie, but it's not like it's all just beginning to end. This is like a movie that you're studying and are interested because this specific time in history, a very personal, small story, pretty much, where multiple people are involved, but it's really this triangle of people. You just see what each person thought. Yeah. Three times. It's how historical documents can sometimes read, where it's like, well, this says this version of events happened, but this said something else happened. And it's but just it's... like up to the skill of the historian to ascertain, cross-reference with other mm -hmm. sources, what is the truth. Mm -hmm. That's the central theme of this movie, the truth of what happened to this poor woman tangled up with these French royalty soldiers. I really liked this movie. I, I did it, too. I thought it was great. One of my favorite Ridley Scott movies in many years. This guy with his medieval epics, he really knows what he's doing. 
I know he made Robin Hood and Exodus, Gods and Kings, but this is one of the really good ones. I love those movies. I think it's also because I love the medieval era. I find oh, yeah. it very fascinating. Me too. So much happened. I mean, I know every era there's a lot that happens, but I think because the way that I feel like laws, I mean, no matter what, in every era, things are happening so fast and things are changing and people's relationships, it's so different from the way that we live now that I think that's part of why it seems so fascinating. That's exactly how I feel. You know, like, because there were serfs, there were counts and people who, squires and and things like that, it's, it's not something that we're accustomed to, especially... We're from the United States where, you know, even... It's 2021. It's 2021. stuff is... We're not in Europe where there's a lot more of that ingrained in their history. And and it's been lampooned so much too. Like such a huge part of the entire Monty Python saga, all these decades of those sketches and the movies is making fun of royalty and kings and everything. Like there's all this... It's a little bit of a farce if you pay attention to how it's portrayed. It's great when there's a movie where it's just so well made so authentic the sets are like fantastic it really feels like you're just watching medieval france you know it's such a great look yeah i also really liked the colors that were used it was it was very smart about not using colors that would normally be used in like you know for royalty or things like that because there's a lot of movies that will be made for this era and they will use They'll have certain details like colors of clothing that would only be allotted to certain royalty or certain levels of the wealthy. And so I I do really like the movie does try to stay true to that. And then it's also beautifully shot. And I know that this may seem silly, but my only thought was there were many moments when I kept thinking, hmm, well, we are in an era of time where people didn't really take baths that much but yet everyone looked really clean that might be the hollywood thing where you know a lot of medieval movies of course they have to have the long flowing hair and actors have perfect skin yes like like they had moisturizers in medieval times like you know had serums orlando bloom facials orlando bloom in kingdom of heaven you know you know another medieval ridley scott movie it's like you kind of have to go along i know i don't know to think that this is 1386 i mean they weren't that clean okay you know that was one thing i thought about okay I thought the characters looked pretty gruff and, you know, Matt Damon had that big scar the whole time. No, no, yeah, definitely. But it's because he's been to war and had dealt with people and he'd been right in the face and like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so this movie has... It's divided into the different accounts, but they have three chapters. So this film is based on a book which recounts this whole series of events and... I loved the idea of this movie when I heard about it, that Ridley Scott was making a movie about the last legally sanctioned duel to the death in French history. I thought, sign me up. I will absolutely watch a movie like that as a history buff and a Ridley Scott fan and an all-star cast, which we'll go into. The performances are crucial to this movie, to this movie succeeding. A most unspeakable charge has been brought against you. Jacques Legree entered our home. He attacked me. The accusation is false. I am telling the truth. The truth does not matter. There is only the power of men. This should be settled quietly. I'm innocent! I request a duel to the death. If you lose, your wife will suffer dire consequences. 
One of us has lied. Let us let God decide. The male lead is Matt Damon, who plays Jean de Carouge, a soldier and a vassal, which just means he owns land. So he's not quite a knight yet, but he does get knighted later. He was fighting in the Caroline War. Soon after, he comes back from the war, and his financial situation is in trouble. So what Jean does is he marries Marguerite de Thibauville, which would give him a large dowry and many estates in his name. It's more of a practical marriage to restore his financial situation. And she's played by Jodie Comer. Soon there's this land dispute with another soldier, Jacques Legree, played by Adam Driver. And these are our three protagonists. The king's cousin is sort of the one they have to deal with, Count Pierre, played by Ben Affleck. This is a little Goodwill hunting reunion here. They are also responsible for most of the screenplay, along with a third screenwriter, Nicole Holofcener, who I believe was mainly or completely responsible for Chapter 3, dubbed The Truth, which is from Marguerite's perspective. Chapter 1 goes through the series of events by Jean de Carouge's perspective. So he marries Marguerite, and things are going well, but not for very long. He sues for the land to be given back to him, but the king isn't really having any of it, and Jean, his image sort of disintegrates because he's really up in arms about this. He kind of makes a scene when everyone's together in a meeting or something. That, that happens, it might even be in another one of the chapters. But there turns out to be this political maneuvering and problems. Well, yeah, because so much of what happens with Jean de Carouge is his father had this captaincy and, again, as a vassal, was able to own this land to be able to have dominion over it. And then when his father passes, it was supposed to go to him. But then because of all this political conflict between him and Jacques de Gris and also with Count Pierre, the Count, he ends up giving the captaincy to Jacques de Gris. Jean de Carouge and Jacques, they both started out as soldiers and friends. That's right. They were friends at first. They were allies. Right. And then when this whole land issue captaincy of this fort that, uh, again, was in Jean's family for generations was given to Jacques, he felt this thing that was owed to him was just taken from him. And he felt like Jacques was not on his side. It's obviously this rift. And then when... You consider that he he's married to Marguerite, who's beautiful and everything. That's when we find that Jacques, he's taken with Marguerite. So some time passes, and John joins a military campaign in Scotland, and he's knighted, but he's bankrupt, unfortunately. John visits Paris, and unfortunately, Marguerite is left alone. All of this is consistent across the three stories. The catalyst for the duel is also consistent in the three stories, but the details are different. Jacques goes to the castle with his squire, and he gets the squire to sort of convince Marguerite to let them in, even though she was ordered to not let anyone in while everyone was gone. Because when Jean left, his mother and her servants and friends or whatever were supposed to stay at the castle too, so he wasn't leaving Marguerite all alone. But the mother and Marguerite don't have a great relationship. They don't get along. Unfortunately, the mother is kind of stuck up. 
Marguerite, she's just a normal person. She doesn't deserve that. So they just ditch her. They go shopping or something. I don't remember. Yeah, she goes shopping in like the village or something. And she's yeah. like, she's she's not supposed to be left alone even without her one maid servant. But this mother takes everyone. So yes. the mother really, that was really not okay. Leaving Marguerite all alone in this huge castle. And there's these wars going on. So Jacques comes along. He's delusional. And he insists that he loves her and all this stuff. And then he ends up sexually assaulting her. None of this is seen in chapter one. She tells Jean this when he returns. Right. And then Jean says, I'll have to do a duel to the death to avenge this horrible injustice. That's where chapter one ends. And the following two chapters recount this whole sequence of events again. But chapter two is from Jacques' perspective. And I was surprised when it was from Jacques' perspective. Of course, everything leading up to it, he looks a lot better. He didn't really steal the land. It was just like... Given to him. And just misunderstanding. I didn't see a whole lot of big differences between the three chapters. I think the biggest differences are probably in chapter three, The Truth, because it's Marguerite's perspective, whereas the two men are these two French knights who are kind of clashing with these issues in this mounting conflict. There were subtle differences in the way that the discussions may happen in this movie or the context of why Marguerite feels like, oh yeah, let me be nice to Jacques. Uh, yeah, because they're you know, friendly early on, right? Yeah, I mean, there's Because the, the, they're all friendly together at well, first. Well, there's a party where he meets her, yeah. and that's when they make up for some issues, and he becomes taken with her, but it's just her trying to be kind, so that way there's some sense of restored peace. But right. Jacques takes it the wrong way and becomes taken with her when she literally just kind of smiles at him to be polite and then is with her husband the whole time, really. Is Jacques the first incel, do you think? Should this movie be called The First Incel? Oh my gosh, I'm crying. It's hilarious. <laughs> but he's not an incel because he has... He's, he's not an incel. He's always with women, and there are times when Pierre will be like, come into bed with me and the ladies, woo! I don't know about you, but I liked Ben Affleck in that role. Ben Affleck has been in some not-so-great movies before. I like him as an actor. I thought his character it was, was just so kind of... funny. Yeah, he was funny. He was such, like, just like his attitude and... and he just doesn't his, care. It's a very non-Ben Affleck role. He's this easygoing count, and his interactions with Adam Driver, you're just like, these two guys are ridiculous. He's not in it that much. Right. The whole cast is great. So, Diana, what were your thoughts on Matt Damon's mullet in this movie? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, that was a mullet. and It's a full-on mullet. The rumors are true. Yes. And, and it is glorious. But, we again, we have to consider this is supposed to be the 1380s. The hairstyles were not what we would approve of today. That's for true. Did France invent the mullet, do you I think? I don't know. Are there historical accounts of mullets before the 1380s? I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll have our crack investigative team at Filmscape get on this right away, and we'll get back to you, everybody. That crack investigative team is us. Oh. <laughs> I guess I have some research I have to do. Yeah. But I, I feel like Marguerite, which is Jodie Comer... She's just so great in this movie. She is fantastic. She is just in this role with poise. And yeah, I was just like, I wish I could throw flowers at her or something. Classy, like, classy actress. Like, yes. Her emotional range in this movie. It's like, I already want to throw an Oscar her way. Well, that's it's why like, I said flowers, just like, throwing Jody, the flowers. You, you, you just take the Oscar. It's I like, know. it's yours. You in this movie. I mean, she is like incredible. Wow. 
she really stuck out. And like I said, I thought everyone was good. Adam Driver, he has such a specific face that I never really forgot that it was Adam Driver, but he is a really good actor, but he's just in those Star Wars movies, and he's in a new movie every year, and it's always very different, so I don't know if it was just that I couldn't quite get that out of my mind. With movies like this, I I almost wish it was more like a bunch of no-names. Like, get a bunch of theater actors who just really committed, but you, you don't see them from anything, so you can really just be invested in this is medieval France. It's not Matt Damon in a mullet and Ben Affleck with the bleached little goatee beard thing, whatever that was, and Adam Driver's very distinct face. They're they're all really good. It's a big Hollywood production, and everyone upholds this movie. There's no weak link, so um, that's great. A criticism I have, well, it's more like an observation slash criticism, is that Adam Driver plays this character, Jacques, but Jacques Legris was actually around the same age as Jean de Carouge. In this movie, you have Adam Driver, who's more than 10 plus years younger than Matt Damon, who's supposed to be playing someone who's the same age. And they don't make that clear in the movie, but historically, they're supposed to be around the same age. I think they're 50s or something. Yeah, and it doesn't help to have Adam Driver. I mean, he's an interesting looking guy, but he, he looks pretty young, I guess. He looks older in this movie than he I guess he is in real life, because it's medieval times. I and they probably made him a little dirtier, but not not really. But Matt Damon, he looks pretty gruff, and he has this big scar on his face. He looks even older than he is, so that also amplifies the age, the age difference there. Yeah, because I feel like if they had added some grays in there for Adam Driver or something, that could have made him look a little older, but they didn't, or it wasn't noticeable, at least in my perspective. It was interesting casting, for sure. All the men in this movie... The casting choices is... I agree. I'll say it's interesting. I can't really complain because they're all really good. Right. Jodie Comer is really the standout, but um, everyone is great in this movie. It's like what I said. It's just these actors have been in so many things for years and years, decades and in some cases, that they're in this amazingly made, super authentic medieval setting in the movie. And it's just, it's just a little distracting with, with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, but... They're really good in it. It's probably the two of my favorite performances by them and Adam Driver. Yeah. So they pulled it off. Yeah, definitely. The theme of being truthful and then this issue of, of course, we're in the 1380s. Women don't have the rights that they do now. Marguerite, she's viewed as property. It's about the pride of the husband, them and their land and the legacy that that means for their child. Even though she wants to be truthful because she feels like the right thing to do is for Jacques Legree to be punished for this crime that he has committed. I just really loved the fact that Jodie Comer played that beautifully and also that, you know, there would be the discussions in the court with King Charles VI. Joffrey-esque, which He's was very strange. Joffrey-esque. He's like Joffrey Baratheon from uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's really funny. Insolent boy king. That was, yeah. Uh, another amusing detail. Yes, it was very interesting. <laughs> you know, the questions that they would ask to try to verify, like, are you sure that it wasn't just an affair? Like, oh, this questioning. That court scene like, was like... That was so frustrating. Oh my goodness. You know, because you, cause things like that happen even now, even though it's not about, like, being king, you know, kings, you know, courts in that same way. But... 
there will be discussions where these victims are trying to, and you know, survivors of sexual assault will try to say like, this is what happened to me. And people think, oh, like, are you sure it's not this? And it's like, no, take what they're saying as truth. Marguerite exercised as much power as she possibly could in this time period. Exactly. And, and I, Jody Comer was amazing with conveying that and just the strength she exudes by not staying silent. Even her mother or her mother-in-law yes. tells her, hey, this kind of thing happened to me too. I didn't take this big stand putting attention on myself in the country. I mean, she didn't say that, but she, she like alluded I mean, to the fact yeah. that I didn't make this into a huge deal. I just moved on with my life. I was like, what are you, what are you going to do? These women are just their husband's properties. Yeah. And the fact that she is like, this did happen to me and I'm not just going to stay silent because it was wrong. Very compelling. And this actress was able to convey all that strength and poise, courage. It completely shone through. When she was on screen, when she was the center of the yeah. scene or just, you know, a part of a scene, it was very attention-grabbing. And oh, yeah. it was great. Another thing to consider at this time was that this duel to the death, it was the way of God deciding whoever survived was the one who told the truth. And that if Marguerite's husband, Jean, died, then it'd be considered her lying. And then... Not only did she recently have a kid, very recently before the duel, but if he had lost, she would have been burned alive. She was willing to take this to the courts and say, you know, I know that I am telling the truth and that is why I'm so persistent. I know that if no matter what, that I have said the truth, but she knows that her life is at stake as well. It's not just about her husband. And if he lost, they would automatically make their child an orphan. Yeah. The stakes could not be higher for these people. And now that leads us to the actual duel, finally. It's been building up to this moment, and the duel scene does not disappoint. I absolutely loved the duel scene and how it unfolded. It's like Ridley Scott's masterful directing instincts are all on display. Love the way it unfolded. Right in the mud with the brutality of the combat. And I was like, oh, you get him, Matt Damon. <laughs> um, and it was like, oh my God, that, that scene was absolutely incredible. There's been so much build up to it. So masterfully done. There's been so much debate and nuance about what happened for so long. And it's been like over two hours at this point when the duel happens that I just felt so invested and just like, it's a cliche, but on the edge of my seat about what would happen because it's been pretty harrowing. You've had to sit through this three different times and, and you're really paying attention. I mean, I was because I was interested in the little differences, I little mean, details. There were, there were differences, you know. Yeah. Like, it wasn't enough where the story changed dramatically, but it was enough where one person said, I saved this person in a war, while the other person said, I saved that person. Well, you mean, yeah, Jean and Jacques yeah. both think they yeah. saved the other one. Or or like, or like the person who, who was like, let's go fight, people! And it's like, so who said that? Yeah, who was the hero here? Yeah, was, yeah you know, knows? like, <laughs> it's kind of the account of what is the truth. I'm just going to believe for myself that it was Jean, because Jean is obviously certainly not a perfect guy. No. But he, he's kind of the closest thing to a protagonist, I guess, aside from Marguerite. He is continuously putting himself in battle. He leaves his wife for a period of time to go and continue to fight in Scotland and yeah, do all this Knights, stuff. that's what knights did. Well, yeah, but then you have Jacques. Even Jean says to him, you're living a cushy life, just like dealing with the finances. You're not even fighting anymore. Right. You know, like, Jacques is really 
buddy-buddy with the Count and the King, it seems like. He's very much a lot more friendly with them, whereas the difference with Jean is that he's, he's not as smooth and, like, fun to be around. He's just this dedicated soldier. He does the work. And he's not doing these smooth political maneuvers. He's just kind of like this guy, sort of a simple man. He is. He's rough and he's, his life is warfare in a lot of ways. That's his job. He's living in the 1380s. I also appreciated that honesty, just portraying who this guy was. Yeah. Like that's who he is. And he's not perfect. He's human. And he's from this time. And it's, you have to switch your brain into that time period. Like what was it like to live day by day in the 1380s as a soldier? Hard to relate to from today's <laughs> standards, but you have to put your, yourself in their shoes to be invested. Anyway, the dueling scene, I thought, was, was amazing. It was. An amazing climax. It was so effective. And the way that it would depict, like, oh, no, is this person going to go down? Is this person going to go down? You see Matt Damon, you know, his character, Jean, like, he gets hit in the leg. And you're just thinking, oh, God, what about, oh, I, hope this, I hope he's okay. Like, at one point, I thought, oh, God, I hope he doesn't bleed out because of where he got stabbed. But he manages to fight. This was like a public duel. People were there with their babes and small children watching these two men fight. They're jousting and and then like fighting hand to hand. It made me think, wow, what a different time. (laughs) It made me feel the severity of the situation. You know, like he's really trying to, you know, he's giving it all he's got. It was a great scene. It is like kind of a breath of relief when... The resolution finally happens. And um, spoilers, thankfully, Jean does overcome him. And their final exchange is, is very like, ooh, you know, it's just it's like, it's just gotten so bitter to this point. But it's like the only way to resolve this. And it is just a release when that happens because it is such an engaging movie. And, you know, I was just very invested in it. To finally have Marguerite get some peace and... Hope try to just get past this and move on with her life after this horrific series of circumstances. Really well-told movie. Very adult movie. This movie is for adults. It it's is. It's mature, which was nice. It was, yeah, I really liked so that So many movies it. feel like they're made for little kids. You know, with this, with this movie, one thing that I also observed was that they have Marguerite and she's... They have her chained, like her feet are chained during the duel. Because they don't, obviously they don't want her to like try to run away or anything. She's wearing all black, just watching the whole thing unfold, being chained. So she has to be there. It made me think, again, the brutality and just, it was so visceral in that way where you just, you you think of all the layers of just, the movie was so effective at making you feel the anxiety that these characters, these people felt. Obviously I applaud that that's what makes a movie truly effective and just great. So I'm very, I'm grateful that this movie exists. I am. One thing I loved about this movie was that it did take things that were from written accounts of quotes that people said. So for instance, like with Jacques, his last words were included as his last words in this film, which I I loved because of course, you know, if you're going to make a movie about a time era about real people, if you have those accounts, you know, just use them. But I, I just, I loved it. I loved that. As I said, this is a movie for adults, and it can be pretty slow moving. And the fact that it is the same series of events three times could be, you know, a little repetitive to some people. So you just kind of have to go with it and be interested in what's happening. Maybe they could have shortened some of it. I don't know. Right. I mean, I, I 
I do love this movie, but the pacing was good, but I wonder if, I don't want them to have lost any of the nuance or the interesting details, but I just wonder if it was just like 15 minutes shorter. I don't know if that would have tightened it up a little bit because it is long. I don't know. It's hard for me to think what would be cut because it is very well told. It is a methodical movie. It's not typical. I enjoyed the slow pace. I liked being immersed in this world, being taken back to this time. Everything about this, the art direction and the sets and the costumes, like we mentioned, the cinematography, everything was just so on point, so well done. I just really soaked that all in and appreciated it. How many two and a half hour long, historically accurate, for the most part, medieval epics are you going to get that's of this quality? Not very many. So like you said, I'm very glad this movie exists. You do not believe me. I am risking my life for you. You are risking my life so you can save your pride. The penalty for bearing false witness is that you are to be burned alive. I will not be silent. I think it's obvious I would definitely recommend The Last Duel to mature viewers. Yes. I think it's an important movie. It's great. It deserves to be supported and to be seen. I think I know what you're going to say, but Diana, would you recommend The Last Duel? Oh, yeah, I would. Exactly like what you mentioned, it is for mature viewers. Which doesn't mean you have to be over 18 necessarily, but you have to be in a mature mindset. Right, you have to, I mean, you have to consider the subject matter because for some people that can really affect them. Absolutely. It's very somber. Everything is taken very seriously. I think it's treated very well, exactly as it should be with telling the story and it's important. And it's just very interesting from a historical perspective as someone who likes history, you know. I think it will elicit a lot of discussion with, you know, you watch it with someone or with a group of people. It's definitely an interesting movie to dissect, a lot to talk about, given that it is three different accounts of the same sequence of events. What that means, I think people would want to then read a little bit about the true story, maybe. I'm impressed that Ridley Scott made this movie and the upcoming House of Gucci. Like, what? Did they make one right after the other? Or, That's what or I'm wondering. back to back? Because they're he directed both, and House of Gucci is coming out pretty soon. I'm so excited. I'm very excited for that movie. House of Gucci Review will be coming up. Two very different movies, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But that just shows the... The versatility yes, of Ridley really Scott. Good. Yes, exactly. Hi, Film Booze. If you want to contact us with any questions or comments or thoughts on the film... You can reach us at filmscaped at gmail.com. That's F-I-L-M-S-C-A-P-E-D at gmail.com. We have a website called filmscapepodcast.com. We also have an Instagram at filmscapepodcast, which you should definitely follow if you are not already. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe. On the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks.